the first scene that struck me out of the Dundies is Michael comes in, he's excited, talking to Jim about where his Dundies are. I think Jim has a pretty good line here where he's like, oh, I hid them because I don't want to look at them and get cocky. And it really endears Michael to him. Michael's like really impressed. Mm-hmm. And then Dwight's <laughs> yeah. trying to kiss his ass. But like, I have them on my mantle. Above his bed. Yeah, Jim has like a good, he like he diverts attention, but he also gains Michael's affection with one line. It was it was the perfect line. But you kind of, you skipped over, Michael lost a ton of weight. He's like a different person in season two. Yeah. It's like in shape, Michael, with like a fuller head of hair. It's like, it's crazy to, to watch the last episode of season one and then the first episode of season two back to back. You're right. I don't think of this as being thin Michael. I just think of season one Michael as being like fat Michael. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Because in this, this is how like when I think of Michael Scott in my head, how he appears. In his final form. And then we have Pam is in the conference room and she's looking for highlights. Going through six years of Dundies or whatever it is. Like when I edit the podcast together and six years i'll be finding <laughs> all the good stuff is pam gonna make the highlight reel is she gonna edit it together herself i have no idea writing down the timestamp on the highlights for uh michael i don't think that they ever finished that project because i never saw the final product yeah neither did i and then while she's watching the highlights she's sees michael give her and roy the dundee for longest engagement so that was two years in the video which is now three years in real time right mm-hmm you can tell she's like kind of uncomfortable. I think the camera people have more of a presence in season two. Pam's like looking at the cameraman really awkwardly. Oh, I didn't think about that. Which they don't really do in the later seasons. Jim will look into the camera or some other characters might look into the camera. But this is like kind of a more realistic approach where Pam's embarrassed and she's actually looking at the cameraman. Yeah, because later on, it, it's like it's part of their characters to kind of look at the camera when shit gets so ridiculous. That they're like, are, are you witnessing this? Like, are you seeing what Michael's doing right now? You seeing this shit? And then Jim overhears her listening to the longest engagement. Dundee. Steps in. This is really cringe and awkward for me, where Jim then goes into Michael's office and he's trying to get him to cut the longest engagement, Dundee. Why is it awkward? There's a very obvious ulterior motive in play, which is that he has a crush on Pam and he doesn't want to draw attention to current Roy's relationship. Right, but he wants to protect her at the same time. Oh, I didn't, dude, I didn't even get that at all. Oh, really? To me, the way that I read this is just that Jim likes to pretend that Pam doesn't have a fiance in an attempt to not be reminded of her engagement to roy <laughs> he like wants it wiped off from the dundee script okay holy shit You're, no, that's that's a little darker yeah so that's why it's so cringe for me but uh, your read, yeah. your read is way better where he i think yeah <laughs> yeah that seems more characteristic of of like the white knightedness of of jim that makes the scene a little better for me i hope that's what he's doing so Michael obviously like receives that re- really poorly because Jim tells him he's being a lazy joke maker or whatever. Comes off as lazy. Before that, Michael was trying to get Jim's opinion on Dundee Awards for Kevin, who appar- apparently plays guitar. So he's a multi-talented man. What's he playing Scrantonicity? Is he a drummer? He's a drummer slash singer. Wonderful combo. He's just like trying to think of things like Kevin's fat, you know, just this. And this is a deleted scene. But then Dwight comes in talking about something written on the ladies' bathroom. Towards the end of the exchange, Jim's like, you know, what are you going to do for Dwight? And Michael is like, oh, I'm not going to do anything for that guy. That's really sad. A couple of notes on what you're talking about. So first, it speaks to Michael's character that he's uninterested in any like interesting things about Kevin. He's just going for like the superficial, easy, fat joke. And then also Dwight is so vigilant trying to earn Michael's affection. And Michael is just uninterested. Just blows him off. And Dwight's like, he's taking this task to heart too. Like he's really going after this writing. He's trying to figure it out. He launches an investigation. Dwight's always at a 10. Very serious. 
works very hard. And it's also funny. This seems like the simplest thing in the world. There's what, like six women in that office. Just wait till none of them are in the bathroom and then go in and look at the stall. Yeah. <laughs> but, <Fuck that> up. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's this whole ordeal with Dwight where he, instead of going into the restroom, he's like trying to interrogate the different women into telling them what's on the wall. And then when he finally decides he does have to go in, he can't even make sure that no one's in there. Yeah, he can just do a simple head count. That bathroom has to be empty 90% of the time, right? Yeah, you would think. And he sits right next to Phyllis, so he should be able to put you know two and two together. Well, my strategy, instead of doing a head count, I would just sit outside the bathroom for 10 minutes. And if no one's gone in or come out for 10 minutes, then you're Ooh. probably like 90% certain no one's in there currently. That's still a little risky, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I play it fast and loose. What can I say? <laughs> you do. I would. I'd probably wait for everybody to leave. Oh yeah, that's the make other sure there's one. nobody in the office. Yeah, and then going at like five fifteen. Exactly. Yeah, because otherwise you end up in the predicament that he got himself in. Phyllis storming in. Like, you know, or you know, it could have been anyone. Creed could have stormed in. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and then it's weird because Phyllis is incredibly upset, but instead of going to Toby, the HR head of HR, she goes Michael to complain. That was weird. Toby doesn't seem super useful. I guess everyone knows Toby can't do anything. In this episode, they mention that Meredith is customer service. So season two, I think they got everyone's roles figured out. What is Meredith's job? That's her job, right? In later seasons is customer service. Uh, Honestly, I'm drawing a blank right now. I was trying to think of that. I'm pretty sure that's her job. But then I'm thinking, what's Kelly's job? Well, okay. So what I think it is, is that uh, Kelly has end user customer service and Meredith has like supplier relation. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because she was like later in the season, or not season, but the uh, series, she like bargains for supplier discounts. Yeah, with Bruce from Hammer Mill. Bruce. One of my favorite lines in this episode is when Oscar's talking about going to the Dundies. He says, it's kind of like a kid's birthday party and there's nothing for you to do there, but the kid's having fun. <laughs> so you're there. That's pretty accurate. I like how in the deleted scenes, they go more into Michael's costumes. I never really put that together. He like he hits on a lot of offensive areas. He's got the the headdress for the Native American. He's got he's got ping, of course. He has some like weird afros in the back. He's like he has like a whole closet in the back of Chili's. It's kind of weird. It's like right next to the kitchen. I'm surprised they gave him that kind of access. So we're at the Dundies. Roy is it Daryl and Roy, or is it Roy and just some warehouse worker? I don't even remember. It's Roy and Daryl. It is Daryl. Okay, so Roy and Daryl decide they're going to go to poor Richards. He's trying to take Pam, but Pam says no and stays, which is different from how their relationship has been depicted in the past and season one, because Pam was kind of just doing whatever Roy said previously, where she actually like defies him now. Yeah, I think that was, that's how it's supposed to look, because she's kind of tired of his shit. I love Ryan says to Jim after they leave, like, are you staying? How do you read that? Maybe Ryan wants kind of wants to get out of there, too. I don't know. Jim's like kind of his last reason to stay. If Jim leaves also, then he'll kind of just follow people out. I think that Ryan like wants to leave, but since he's new, he's scared to leave by himself. Yeah, he doesn't want to initiate that. So he like wants Jim to leave because Jim's, you know, like a seasoned employee. He wants to be able to follow Jim out instead of just leaving on his own. Yeah, he's also somebody in the office because Ryan Daryl are not. So it's not the perfect like cue. So Ryan's sitting next to Jim here, but then later he it doesn't show him moving, but later he's sitting next to Meredith and then the chair is open when Pam comes back in. I think that was probably one of those things where they just like cast it or they shot it a bunch of different ways and then they like cut it together and they like had two separate cuts where Ryan is next to Jim and one where he's in the back. Yeah, because there's no other reason for it. Unless he was like, well, if you're staying here, 
that I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> Go hang out with <laughs> I'm someone gonna else. Move tables. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they end up not really liking each other, so. It seems like they get along fine in the early seasons. And then we see Ping. Hello, everybody. And you know there's that girl, that Asian girl who gives him that look, where she's like, I can't even believe this. You know that wasn't an actor, or that wasn't an actress? Really? That was, yeah, they were just shooting in this Chili's, and that was just a random woman oh, eating shit. at Chili's. And that's a genuine reaction. <laughs> that's perfect. I know. The reaction is so good. Completely genuine. So I have to ask. It's pr- it's probably pretty obvious, but the guys who threw the cake at Michael, that was scripted, right? Uh, I assume so. It had to be. That would be pretty baller if he just rolled with something like that. Yeah, that would be insane. But I feel like that would have to be scripted. Yeah, I only know the girl because it's like um, they mentioned it, I think, in a director's commentary. That seems pretty ballsy to have just kind of like normal people in the background. Yeah, they could screw it up but this is i don't know it it makes it a little more authentic maybe i don't know or maybe they couldn't even afford to rent out the whole (laughs) chilies i could yeah because it it seemed like they were kind of on yeah this is like early season before it was really big and this is before steve carell was like a big name i don't well i don't know actually when was the 40 year old virgin that's what i was trying to think of 2005 that was coming out i think in the same year as this season yeah because didn't this season one come out like 2004 yeah i think so yeah, that seems reasonable. And then he he took off from there. Yeah, and then that was like his breakout role. The first episode of the second season of The Office was in two thousand March 2005, and the 40-year-old version was August 2005. So yeah, the 40-year-old version was later that year. What I like about this episode is that there's a lot more footage of Toby, and especially Toby trying to stand up to Michael. It establishes, and th- this is all in the deleted scenes, but... It at least establishes why Michael doesn't like Toby. Because before, it's like you can kind of make the leap. It's like, okay, Toby kind of stands for everything that uh, goes against what Michael's trying to do in the office, like kind of make it loose or whatever. Uh, But there's like some, they depict some direct battles of Toby trying to tame Michael, like slapping Ryan's ass um, for hottest in the office award. And there's like a few other things in there of why Michael hates Toby. That's definitely true. I remember my first watch through on the office thinking, why does he hate Toby? wait, what's up with this? And there's like not really any reason for it. No, it's just something you kind of get used to. It's like, okay, Michael hates Toby and it becomes hilarious, but we don't really exactly understand why. Also, Toby gets some weird affection from Kelly. That's kind of a random deleted scene. It was something like uh, she hopes that Toby goes to the Dundies because he's really cute. He has a kid, so that sucks. Oh, yeah. Something to that effect. I remember that. that was like, <laughs> yeah. It was a... It was like a really shallow Kelly moment where she's like, but he has that stupid kid. When those people throw the cake at Michael, he gets like really disheartened. And, you know, the Dundies isn't really going the well as well as he wants. Even as oblivious as Michael is, as socially oblivious as he is, I think he can tell that the Dundies aren't going over very well. Yeah, even he understands at this point. But then Pam to the rescue, she like starts cheering him on and... and She's not really getting everybody excited, but she's acting really excited. And then Jim is trying to like be excited with her. And then all the other employees are like, oh, well, I guess I kind of have to follow along. I don't think they're actually excited, but they're at least willing to play along a little. And so Pam kind of saves the Dundies. And then she gets her award for uh, whitest sneakers. She's got some really dope kicks. And then she gives her amazing speech. Is this speech authentic or is it satire i could see it going either way but in my heart i felt like it was authentic authentic towards the end where she (laughs) said that she felt god in this chilies i think i feel like it was an authentic drunk pam yeah i think it's a genuine 
I mean, it's not something she would say while sober, but I think it, she genuinely means it as she says it. I feel God in this chilies tonight. And then she, you know, gets carried away and she kisses Jim. Yeah, right on the mouth. Right on the mouth, which Jim... That was their first kiss. Jim's obviously, like, really happy about, but he's also... It's awkward. Because she's drunk and is in front of everybody. Kevin kind of looks and gives, like, a what look, but no one else seems to notice her mind at all. And I actually... I paused it there and went through, like, everyone else's faces, and it looks like no one cares, except for Kevin's kind of giving a little look. That's some good analysis. I guess I wouldn't really care if, like, some... If somebody I didn't care about in the office because someone else and like I knew they had a fiance or like I wouldn't really care. I feel like I'd pay attention because it'd probably be the most interesting thing going on in the Chili's at that moment. Yeah, but... that's probably. Yeah. And I guess if the fiance also works at the company. Yeah, there's some juice there. Yeah, some juicy uh, drama. I, don't, I can't even imagine being Jim in that situation. I, I wouldn't know what to do. I feel like that'd be incredibly awkward. Uh, I think you just roll. I think he played it off pretty well. He just rolled with the punches. Yeah, just like pretend nothing happened essentially yeah i think that's you gotta do. do so pam gets way too drunk and there's the talking head of the manager at chili's saying that she's not welcome back and that they have a strict no overserve policy that chili's made them put that in the episode in order to use their location oh like chili's that's weird yeah, chili's was like you can't show us overserving because of like it, you know it damages our reputation if you you have to put in like a talking head disclaimer that we don't serve people like that that seems reasonable yeah, and I think that also plays into they really didn't have the budget. They didn't really have the budget to just have their own restaurant. They had to like use a Chili's, like oh, the Chili's. Yeah, like like design one. Yeah, right. Because I think if this was like yeah, season they... seven, they, it wouldn't even be a real restaurant, right? They'd be eating at like yeah. at some fake restaurant. It'd be a set. Yeah, and it'd be all set. That makes sense, especially if they're using Chili's people. It's like they just rented out a room and told them they were going to film there. I wonder what the budget was for. Probably can't find it. You know the budget for the first episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia was like 250 bucks. Holy shit. Do people just work for free? Well, yeah, it was just the main cast who were all like writers trying to Yeah, I was thinking of more like yeah. production crew. They were I don't think there were I think the people who weren't in the scene were just like filming. So like, you know, if it's a scene with Charlie and Mac, it was like Dennis filming. And if it's a scene with Dennis uh... and Dean, it was like Mac filming. It was just like them you know, like a friend uh, group. Friend, uh, it was just like a friend group making a movie. So, do they just rent out rent out the bar then? I don't know. That's awesome, dude. They they look so old now. Have you seen them recently? Yes. It's like it's sad to see Charlie. I feel like he just looks so much older. I haven't really thought that. Um, it's hard with Charlie in particular because he looks like so mangy in the show, and then you see like a picture of him, you know, at like the Oscars or whatever and he is like a functioning human yeah. and it's like hard to even compare how he looks i love the classic charlie look like in like the long johns with like maybe some holes <laughs> in there <laughs> dirt on the face yeah. every time i wear long johns now i think of charlie i don't even own a pair of long johns what dude they're so comfy oh, man i need to get on that they're better than sweats i think if you like lounging around in sweats i don't, I don't own know a pair of you sweats. look you look like you lounge around in a business suit uh yeah no i'm wearing <laughs> jeans right now whoa I, I um the only i wear like pajamas right when i get out of the shower because i like to air dry mostly so i just have like my pj bottoms on but then i change into it's actually i mostly just lounge around in slacks yeah jeans is an oddity. weirdo are they at least stretchy slacks no 
I don't. What do you mean? No, they don't. Like, stretch. do they have stretch to them? No. Oh man. I think they're comfortable. They're my lounging around slacks are too big. Like I would never wear them to work or like on a date. Uh, they're uh-huh. they're um they're like a size too big for me because they're my lounging around slacks, but they are just slacks. I I can lounge around in slacks if they're stretchy. Like all my pants have to be stretchy now. I can't go back. I don't know. They're so you mean the fabric stretches? Yeah. Like if you, you if you pull it apart with your hands, you can feel it stretching. Yeah, like there would be some give to it. They're pretty sweet. There's like there's no restriction. Do you wear a t-shirt to work? I do not wear a t-shirt to work. Do you work. wear a collar shirt? Like what? a polo? Yeah. Okay. No, I wear button-ups. Sometimes I'll wear a polo. Okay. I don't know. I just don't know how you do things over in hippy-dippy Humboldt County. It's it's definitely business casual. Emphasis on the casual. Mm-hmm. I wear chinos, which are just... Do you know what chinos are? I've never even heard that word. Uh, it's They're like slacks, but the material is... It's a little bit rougher. So generally they're seen a little bit more casual. But I think they're more comfortable. So I wear chinos, and I wear a button-up with dress shoes generally. But I wear—I like to wear a lot of sweaters. That's my thing right now. Yeah, these look fine. I've got—I've got, I've got some images up of chinos. I could totally see you wearing this. Actually, the fifth search, <laughs> the the fifth image on Google search for chino—it's you know—it's just like somebody from the belly button down. If you sent me this and said <laughs> yeah. it was you, I would believe it. Let me see. Two, three. Is it, all right, brown shoes, brown belt, uh, like kind of a light blue top? No, this is like a, a white shirt, and they're really dark blue shoes with brown laces. That sounds awful. Uh, I don't see it. Why Why did my Google show me different things than your because Google? Because we have different search histories. Huh? I guess that's true. Yeah, it's all based on like what you've clicked on in the past. There's huh. a way to turn that off that, I mean, there, obviously you can just go into incognito mode, but there's a way to turn it we'll off probably delete your history that I don't remember how to do. I do have one more note on this episode. As they're walking out to the cars, Michael congratulates Dwight. And, you know, Dwight thinks he's talking about his amazingly effective CPR technique, but Michael's talking about the audio. And you can tell that the compliment really means a lot to Dwight. It means everything to Dwight. Michael's praise is so valuable to him. But it's funny that Michael congratulates Dwight on the audio work because, like, the audio cues were good that he was doing. You know, like the, oh, yeah, sort of type <laughs> yeah. cues were good. But the music, he didn't even get the instrumental versions of the music. So, like, throughout the Dundies, whenever Michael's singing his parody songs, he's, like, singing over the lyrics to the actual song because they're not playing, like, the karaoke track. They're playing the actual song. Yeah, the actual song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, we think Dwight would be able to not do that. Maybe that's what Michael wanted. Uh, yeah, you never know. Michael could want anything, I guess. Did you have any other notes? Uh, nope. Oh, except, what was, uh, all right, so towards the end of the parking lot, Pam is obviously about to tell Jim oh, something yeah, yeah. pretty sincere. And she sees the cameras looking at them, so she, she doesn't really say what she wanted to. Yeah. What do you think she was going to say? Yeah, that's a good note. I forgot about it. Um, I don't know. I think she was going to say, well, it's a question, which right. it would... It would make more sense to me if she was like, hey, can I tell you something? And then, you know, stop herself. But it, she, it's it's a question that she's trying to ask, so I'm not exactly sure what it was. My guess would have been like, hey, if me and Roy weren't dating, like, do you see us together or something like that? Or like, do you, do you like me? So, I, it has to be something in the neighborhood to do with their relationship. Yeah. Do you like me, I think, is the most probable. 
Well, there's also the other mystery of what was written on the bathroom wall, right? Yeah, they never addressed what was written on the wall. Dwight narrowed it down to something about his butt or wiener. Well... But <laughs> that's all we have. Angela neither confirmed nor denied that. That's true. So, so actually, it was not narrowed yeah, down. It's it could be anything. He had a pretty sweet trick, though, with a Dundee. Yeah, I love that, dude. That was some <laughs> A-plus subterfuge. Yeah, really subtle. Yeah, it might have worked on Pam. She was drunk enough. She could have fallen for it. So, and we did learn that it was her who wrote it on the wall. Right. What What do you think so she would that. have said? Pam. Um, hmm. I don't, what would Pam say? Uh, yeah, I, I really have no idea. It's also, I, it seems out of character for her to write anything at all on the wall, which is partly why it's hard for me to guess what she might have written. Yeah, I could see Kelly writing something on the wall. Yeah, or like. Yeah, maybe Meredith. Yeah, maybe Meredith. Uh, I can't, I can't see Pam writing anything. I could see her drawing something, maybe. Doing a little doodle. Yeah, doing like a little doodle of something embarrassing about Michael. So the next episode is sexual harassment. And this is what I was thinking of earlier. Michael walks in and Pam compliments him. He takes it, he makes it like incredibly awkward. I think this is a deleted scene because I don't remember it. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's so awkward. He's like kind of dragging the compliment out and like making her elaborate and repeat herself yeah it's either he he wants to drag it out because it's like really special to him or he like he really wants to make sure that it is a compliment yeah it could go either way because like what does she say like michael you're looking thin today she said or like you look good real thin yeah and then he's like weird thin good thin handsome thin if his desire was to never be complimented again this was like the perfect strategy yeah that's what you would do also it's just it's really weird that pam would do that it's just, I think it's an offhanded compliment. Like, he's walking in, she's like, hey, Michael, looking good today. And then expects, like, that to be it. I, don't, I mean, I feel like that's not a very, like, you're not very invested in that compliment. You know, it's just like a notch above good morning. But I'm sure she would never do it again after how yeah. it was received. Maybe, and maybe that's why she's so weird around him in the future. Yeah. And then this is, I think, my favorite line from this episode. Uh, when Michael's in his office talking about Toby. And he's like, Toby works in HR, so he's not really a part of our family. And also he's divorced, so he's not really a part of his family. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Yeah, he's so mean to Toby. Do you have HR? Yeah, kind of. Is, is it called HR? Um, no. So it's, they are within accounting. It's, we have one person who has, she's called an executive assistant, and she's like part accounting part secretary to the CEO and part HR because our staff's pretty small. So it's like, there's not a whole lot HR needs to do besides intake or have seen them operate in the past. It's like mostly they're It's like an administrative role, honestly, like they do intake for new employees. And then they, if you have, if you want to do like a benefit change, so you, then you go talk to HR, um, like raises get processed through HR. So there's kind of like a control function and they file everything. Yeah, that, that's just how I've seen him from. But I've worked in like really small organizations. No, that's it's the same. HR does um does like recruitment. Dude, I'm gonna watch Forty Year Old Virgin after we finish. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Enough. Do you want to do a, Do you want to do a podcast on it? Um, I guess we could. <laughs> like just you know, like a break. Yeah. Mix it up a little bit. Yeah, we could if you want. That's fine. Sure. Do you want to do next week? Or... Yeah, let's okay. do that. Um. I have, last time I saw it must have been about five years ago. Yeah, in like 2013. 
about five years ago. It's a good one. It's been a long ass time for me. I remember seeing it in high school, like early high school. So it's probably been like a good decade. So back to the episode, mm-hmm. uh, there was a scene in there where where Dwight's talking about rat poison being on the cans potentially because they're being shipped with it. Yeah. And he's he's washing the top of his can. Mm-hmm. Do you do that? No. Do you? Oh, yeah. I wash the shit out of my cans. Yeah. Well, I also, I very infrequently will consume a can, like consume a beverage in can form. Like I don't really drink That's better. or anything. Cans suck. I drink a lot of uh, LaCroix. It's just sparkling water. Does that come in a can? Um, it comes in a can. What? Yeah. I've only ever seen sparkling water in a bottle. Oh, yeah, dude. It's it's like a big thing right now. Mm. It's getting big, sparkling water. Uh-huh. But I, I, I wash out every can that I get just because, like, there's debris or something in it. Yeah, well, so, so, just... so being shipped with rat poison, I think, is, like, a really dumb example. But what I think Dwight should have done is that the packaging plants have rats that will, like, defecate on the cans. And, right, that's, like, a much better argument. And I think... I think Dwight is at least knowledgeable enough that he would use that argument instead because it's like more realistic. Yeah. But and I think people have legitimately died from that or gotten sick from the reason that you mentioned, which I'm sure it's incredibly yeah, that's rare. That's like a reverse lottery thing. Yeah, exactly. But for me, it's more just like I look at the top of the can and it looks gross, and so it's like a mental thing, and I see like little crumbs in there and stuff from I have no idea what, but I just rinse it. Do a quick rinse on all my cans. Yeah, I don't care. I, the only beverages I really consume is water and coffee, neither of which come in can form, unless it's sparkling, I guess. Those are the best things to consume. Have you had the nitro coffee from, from Starbucks or just in general? No, I don't go to Starbucks. Oh, where do you go? Um, I make coffee in my kitchen. <laughs> so do I. You don't ever go out for like a special occasion? get like a little uh, americano I'll or go, something well, yeah i'll go out to coffee like on a date is pretty much the only time i go out for coffee and then i'll get a dirty chai usually and then our work there's like a coffee you know the break room has a coffee pot which i help myself to frequently generously yeah generously how much coffee do you think you drink in a day uh, not that much like two cups oh that's nothing yeah. <laughs> i can't drink any coffee afternoon or it'll fuck up my sleep schedule it's just morning for me Good for you. Three is like on the high end. I used to, back before I got my sleep schedule like under control somewhat, I would sometimes go nuts on coffee, have like four or five cups a day. Or actually, no, when when we were in school together, I had this 40-ounce thermos. And if you went to, you know, the um, library had the little coffee shop in there. I forget how much it was. It was like two, like for just black coffee, it was two bucks for a large or if you brought your own it was 125 and if you brought your own like container i didn't even i wasn't even trying have i told you the story before i don't think so okay they didn't have like a size limit on that and i wasn't trying to like run a scam or anything i just had my thermos and i'm like "Uh, can you fill this up and i didn't know how much it was going to be you know i was like i'll just pay for it when it's done whatever um and she fills it up the my whole 40 ounce thermos and then i'm like all right how much is that she's like 125 i'm like what she's like if you bring your your own container any size it's 125 and so i did that every day for like like a year yes i'd go there dude and I would get that that's thing. a good deal i know i'd get the whole thing pulled up for a buck 25 that's yeah that's that's a really good deal for buying coffee that's not like a huge container of coffee it's like i i easily drink so what is that like what is is a cup of coffee it's eight ounces right that's like a serving of coffee or is it six ounces? 
Well, anyways, yeah, that's probably about like five cups. But I would say on a regular day, I have like six to eight. You hit it hard. Does it even do anything for you anymore? Nope. It, <laughs> it just it gets me back to the baseline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it sucks. I uh, I'll take breaks when I get like this. I'm getting ready to take another break because I'll I'll take a break where I do like no caffeine for a while until I, I stabilize, and then I'll I'll start like you know kind of incorporating a little bit more caffeine each day, and then it gets to crazy levels like it is right now, and then I. And then I restart the whole process. Do you get over caffeine again. headaches? Like if you don't drink any coffee in a day? I don't. I don't. That's that's what's weird. Because like I'll drink a lot of caffeine, but I'll just quit cold turkey. I don't care. I think it's a genetic thing. Like like how I don't get hangovers. Dude, that's the best one. That's the fucking best one. It's pretty sweet. That that's like a good challenge. It's like when we go drinking, it's like I, I gotta see if I can get this guy to have a hangover. All right. Next time I'm in town, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> I, dude, I don't. I, I've, like, blacked out before and just woke up the next day fine. Damn. That's good. So, I think we just barely scratched the surface of the episode. So, we're talking about Dwight washing cans. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's right. We're uh, talking about... <laughs> sexual harassment. <laughs> talking about Dwight washing cans. Um, yeah. Yeah, occasionally I'll have, like, a monster, like, once a month. That's really the only can. But, yeah, I just go, you know, it's straight from the convenience store to my mouth. I don't wash it or anything. Bah. I'm still standing, dude. If the best thing you can yeah, do for sure your immune fine. system isn't coddle it, you need to expose <laughs> it to bacteria. Uh, I can't do it. It just—it's not bacteria. It just looks like like shrapnel in the can. Like sometimes I just see like these chunks. But I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe you figured it out. You're the one who doesn't get hangovers, so yeah. maybe I need That's to start drinking some dirty cans because of the cans. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think germophobia in general, and I'm not saying you have germophobia, but is like really overblown. If you think like four thousand years ago, when we're just like eating and fucking on dirt and mud all the time, uh-huh. it's like we have a pretty high tolerance for the amount of crap that we can, you know, our body can process. Do you ever think about like medieval times and like how fucking nasty yeah. those people, people must just have smelled? like shitting <laughs> in the. Fucking- in the like river going through the street yeah and then afterwards they're like making a stew and putting their hands in it (laughs) it was it was a gross time it was i mean yeah medieval is really bad because you have the cities so you have like all the plagues and diseases yeah and people were also yeah don't forget about that side of it people were dropping dead at a pretty early age that's because that was because of the cities that wasn't because of like it was like the con uh, the cities concentrated all the um all the diseases which like l- allowed the diseases to propagate, whereas when you're in a more rural environment, those really bad diseases like cholera just like kill a couple people and then they're done. Yeah, or like tuberculosis, <laughs> tuberculosis, tuberculosis. Um, yeah, and then they didn't have like very good water treatment either. So like in the cities where they had water, uh, running water, it would get into the water, and they didn't figure that shit out early enough, so things just spread rapidly. Yeah, that's actually I could I could talk for a while about that. About water. No, about diseases in medieval times. Have you read Guns, Germs, and Steel? I have not. It's a good book. It's uh, it's kind of dry, but it's a good book. I've had it recommended to me before. I should probably read it. Yeah, if you're into that sort of thing. Toby's giving a, like a seminar about sexual harassment, and Michael comes in, and he's got his blow-up doll, and I think this is just kind of a interesting. He says, he says, is Toby giving you the speech yet i'm guessing not since you all look relatively happy albeit bored and i think it's just funny i don't think michael would use the word albeit in a later season i think he's like too 
I think his vocabulary is it too advanced for yeah, him. I think he's got like a eighth grade vocabulary <laughs> from like season four onwards, and so it just kind of <laughs> like made it kind of startled me when he said that. Not that it's like a, you know. Yeah, that's like tenth grade level. Yeah, and I think he's at like tenth grade level. <laughs> he's at eighth. Like in yeah. when they're doing the PDA thing in season seven, and Gabe's like it's superfluous, and Michael's like yes, it's totally whatever he says like. He like doesn't know the word superfluous, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, I, I like how he brings up Pam as an example of like him and Pam dating, and and she's like, "Well, I'm engaged. We wouldn't date." And he's like, "Okay." In this hypothetical situation, Roy's dead, <laughs> and and Pam's like, "Okay, well, I still wouldn't date." And then I drown myself, and he's like, "Okay, you guys are both dead." But I, I feel like he's trying to run with that compliment that she gave him early in the day. Oh, I didn't because he's yeah. Yeah, he mentions Pam a couple times like that. Like, he, he mentions it there, where they're hypothetically dating. And then later on, towards the end of the episode, he's talking about how he has to grow up. And he can't take a bath with the kids anymore. As much as he might want to take a bath with Pam, he can't do it. Yeah, I didn't catch up or catch on on that thread, but that makes sense now that you say it. Yeah, give him an inch, he'll take a mile. And it's, like, really awkward. He's, like, doing this half-fantasizing thing about Pam, like, with the lesbian thing. And it's so, it's really weird. Yeah, and I love how Pam just shuts it down. She's, like, very assertive in the way she shuts it down. Oh, wait, when he's, like, when he tries to get her to make out with the blow-up doll? Well, that too, but just what you were saying, where he's, like, we were Oh, yeah, yeah. She's, like, I wouldn't date you. I would drown myself. Yeah, she was she was shutting that down real quick. I like that. I lo- and I also love when Toby's saying, you should just close a relationship to HR. And Phyllis says, mm-hmm. all relationships, even a one-night stand? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, what do you think? who are the possibilities? It's got to be Creed. You think it has to be Creed? I don't. Yeah. For the. All right. Let's go through the guys in the office. Michael. I assume we're not counting the warehouse. Oh, oh no. Not Michael. I don't. I don't think it could be Michael. It can't be Michael. I don't Dwight. think he's he's attracted to her at all. Well, Dwight doesn't even know what the vagina yeah. looks like. I know. That's. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. So not Dwight. Yeah. It can't be Ryan. Plus, he's a newbie. This sounds like it happened maybe a little bit in the past. Yeah uh oscar uh for reasons to come up later in the yeah in the series it's not him uh kevin has a fiance so presumably not him stanley it could be stanley uh, dude i think stanley it could be likely. stanley we know that he's dude yeah because he's his life yeah he's promiscuous yeah. uh so shoot i didn't it could be stanley yeah. you know it's i think it's more likely stanley than creed now yeah i'm I sorry think, i take that back i think because they're like of a similar age I think Stanley's more likely and also and there's this thread throughout the series now that I'm thinking about it there's a couple times where Phyllis is kind of like affectionate of Stanley I can't think of the episode but there's at some point where Phyllis is like Stanley and I are close and Stanley's like we work close yeah yeah, yeah. I remember that exact scene I can't I don't remember why she said it yeah it might have been is that when they're doing like the suggestion box or complaints or something they're trying to do like conflict mediation, maybe. That yeah yeah, yeah yeah that makes sense because like he wouldn't have said something about her because they're close. Yeah, I could I could buy that. I think yeah if she has like a little little spot for this little soft spot for Stanley, and he's a little indifferent. I could buy it. And they've been working together for a while. Similar age. Stanley's promiscuous. Okay, I can I could see them hooking up. Mystery solved. Yeah, I think we did. How many it. cases have you cracked? Uh, you can't crack a case, Paul. Uh, <laughs> you solve a case. We go to Dwight asking Toby about the woman's anatomy. I don't don't like this scene. I think it's over the top, and it doesn't really make sense. It's it's trying to paint Dwight as being like, we already know that Dwight's a weirdo, 
but it, it goes too far in painting him as a weirdo and yeah you're taking everything away from that guy it's like you have to make him a virgin too on top of everything yeah, that's really weird and especially and then it you know conflicts later i think that dwight and angela should be dating at this point and maybe that's just kind of like a retcon that they do later or maybe they just haven't started dating yet but also he's like confident with isabel at pam's wedding i don't know it just yeah dude he he slays like he's so good at it so yeah it doesn't make sense that he would go from this like baseline of zero at this point in the series and not too much longer like he's just killing it with all the girls that he comes across i think it's kind of like cheap humor too where it's like there's so many creative ways you can make him be a weirdo but they go for this like really cheap way of like oh and also he's a virgin not my favorite scene so then michael is making an announcement to the office uh that he can no longer be anyone's friends and that he's gonna stop his making all these jokes that he's making jim who's right is goading him into making it that's what she said joke says like uh uh, you think you can go all day long? You always left me satisfied and smiling. Yeah, that's going to be so hard. Yeah. And then Michael, I love Michael's, the way his delivery, he says that's what she said, and then the laugh is perfect. The immediate follow-up, like, belly laugh. So I love, it's just, like, a pleasure to watch him laugh there. But also I think it's funny because Michael feels like he is, like, this comedic mastermind because he came up with saying that's what she said. Even though Jim is the one who, like, made the joke and did all the legwork. Of, like, saying something that would be applicable to the situation, but also setting up for a, that's what she said. <laughs> yeah, Michael, like, he thinks he nailed it. Like, he just found that perfect situation. Like, completely kind of missing that Jim really is the joke master in this scene. So then Michael resorts to retaining his own lawyer. Oh, the diet pill lawsuit guy. Is that is that the kind of lawyer you think you're going to be? Yeah, dude. I'm going to do motorcycle accidents, <laughs> diet pill injuries, work comp. Uh, no. Definitely. Like a better, that's like a better call Saul type of lawyer. Yeah, it really is. Oh my god, how perfect would it have been if it was Bob Oderick that was his I uh, know. lawyer. It was just it was too early, man. Yeah. It was before his time. Have you watched Better Call Saul? No, I still like I started it and then I it just kinda fell off. Right now I'm thinking about doing like corporate law and perhaps international corporate. So it's just like writing up contracts between corporations. Have you are you still thinking about going to law school? just taking my time okay i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it <laughs> yeah you're, you're you're super patient paul I'm really patient I applaud that uh how long does law school take two to three years but i would do a three year a three year yeah how old are you now um 25 i think <laughs> you think you're 25 yeah, 92 to 18 not had a birthday this year yeah 25 so okay it's not bad i go when i'm 26 takes three years i'll be before i'm 30 dude i'll be done when i'm 29 all right Dude, score. I think that's that's a good goal. Do it before you're 30. Yeah, I know, dude. I've fallen into a rut. I'm in a rut in my life, and I'm, don't worry. I'm going to get out of it. I'm stagnating, but it's okay. <laughs> dude, dude, you're just... I think you're going to be an accountant forever. I can oh, tell it. I love your vote of You're going to get trapped, buddy. <laughs> this is motivation. <laughs> Prove you're wrong. Man, I was really hoping that the magic circuit would work out for you. I wanted to see where that would go. It sounded like a fun life. It would have been fun. It was... So we're talking about the card game Magic the Gathering, which has a pro scene. It's so top-heavy, like all those things are, where you're looking at there's like a million Magic players and like a hundred of them can make a living doing it. And you're looking at, you look at like the best player in the world who's a pro who's making a living playing Magic, and you look at like the 200th best player in the world 
and the best player is like one percent better than the 200th best you know but because it's like so top heavy in terms of attention that's just the way that like sports work right is there's only so much attention and the attention just like gravitates towards just like a few people i was gonna say it's the same with like if you look at quarterbacks like in the nfl yeah they all make a lot of money but really there's like a couple that are absolutely slaying right i don't know like yeah there's like like tom brady made i have no idea like 30 million dollars or something you know and then you probably maybe more more than that 41 million that might be just from one source and then plus like he gets all kinds of crazy advertising revenue and whatnot and then you look at some like random quarterback and they're still making a lot of money because it's nfl but it's like nothing in comparison yeah so it's like it's like a similar model like so where like the top magic players are gonna get most of the pie um but the difference being is just the scale of it so like like the pie is just so much smaller magic where I don't know what the 200th best best player gets per year, but it's probably not enough to live on. Yeah, I would no, imagine it would be like twenty to thirty thousand, probably. Oh, that's not bad. That's more than I thought. What do you think the best player gets? They make a small percentage of their earnings from tournament winnings. Um, I'm including most mostly the way they make their money is from like writing strategy articles and stuff and doing stuff like that or like streaming and stuff. Um, that makes more sense. And so I'm including that. And the best players are probably making mid six figures. Damn, but that's for like the pinnacle. Yeah, that's like there's probably ten people who are making more than two hundred thousand dollars, and then like and that's like a combination of a ton of time, skill, and luck. Luck, skill, victory, is the name of an article written by one of the most prolific players. Um, so yeah, it's the same thing with. So there's I told you I played this game Fortnite, and that's the same thing where. Uh, you look at the top player, and that's even bigger. So the top Fortnite player is making twenty thousand dollars a day. Oh, is it? Where does this person live? His his name's so Fortnite is a battle royale video game in which a hundred players um, do an, do like have this free for all and last man standing wins. It's I think the biggest video game in the world right now. The number one streamer, his name is Ninja. He used to be a a halo player um i'm pretty sure he he lives in illinois so yeah he lives in the u.s and he's yeah he's making um like twenty thousand dollars a day streaming then you look at me and i i've told you in the past i'm really good at fortnite so you say so i say well you can actually just look at my stat page and i that's what i'm doing right now because i'm gonna give you the exact so fortnite has had 40 million registered accounts a couple months ago are you, are you small fry hero on fortnite uh yeah i have a f- i have actually multiple accounts but small fry hero is my main one yeah i like how you keep it consistent yeah i don't uh, yeah i think it's annoying when people have different handles on every single platform it's it's hard for mine because it's so long like hunk with, hunk some, with funk. some funk yeah. like it's always like there's like a letter off and then it's like hunk with some fun and it's just it, it doesn't have the same ring to it so i gotta do something else no way oh my god i've got absolutely did you shit drop? on dude yeah i've dropped a lot and i'm ranked the i'm the 62nd hundredth at this point oh but i have yeah i haven't been playing as much the past couple months i got kind of over it i, I peaked out at the 1200th yeah i tried to break into the top thousand i couldn't um wow that actually breaks my heart to see this but anyways 
and, and if you look like how much money I can make playing it, it's like essentially zero dollars. And there are players that are much better than mm. I who are also making zero dollars because the attention is just so top heavy. It's like you're it doesn't matter that there's 50 million people. It doesn't matter if you're in the 99.995th percentile. You are like you're either a top hundreder or you're irrelevant. There's like there's no linear progression like there is with like accounting where we're all making relatively similar you know salaries regardless of how sick yeah it's like you could be the best accountant and then you could just be an average accountant and there's not as big of a discrepancy as probably some something like Fortnite or a sport yeah there's just like so much attention to be had and it's just like you get this black hole effect where all the attention just goes to like the really tall the really high earner players so magic i don't think was going to work out for that reason i just i got kind of disenchanted by it after a while got a little do you think you just got bored of it? You played for a while. Yeah, I played it for a long time. I might pick it back up at some point. Have Have you thought about going all in with a different game like Fortnite? Like saying, hey, I'm going to work. I'm going to be an accountant to pay the bills and everything else. I'm just going to dump into Fortnite until I make it. Um, No, I haven't thought about it seriously. I've thought about like dipping my toe in the water in terms of like trying to actually make some money with it, but uh, not enough to actually take serious steps. Um, Where were we? I don't know. I was trying to look through my notes. Uh, oh, Michael retained his own lawyer. And then we start talking about lawyer. Oh, and yes. Charles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. so Michael retains his own lawyer because he's you know, he's just Michael. He doesn't, like, understand the structure of the company at all. And he's um, afraid. Or I don't, I don't even know what he thinks is happening. He thinks he's, like, he's like a little kid in trouble. And he just, like, thinks he's in trouble and is afraid. And so he's, like, hired to retain this lawyer to... Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, they're trying to protect him. So, yeah, and then Michael does his speech, which is kind of annoying, where he's like, I'm so used to, you know, fighting the man that I forget that I am corporate. Uh, I was going to say, it's kind of funny, because when he has his little Toby rant uh, earlier on, he's like, Toby, that's like a girl's name, you know? Um, He has all these, like, little hits on Toby, and uh, he talks about Toby's not part of the family because he's corporate, and then he realizes that he's corporate, too. Oh, yeah, I didn't make that connection. Upper management. I don't think uh, Michael has the introspection to make that connection, though. And then Pam's fake mom comes in. It's it's her mom, but it's not the mom that we know later. It's not. See, if if that mom existed later, then Michael's relationship might have lasted a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, this mom's a lot younger than the other one for sure. I think of the I think of the other mom, the Helene, as being like the mom, and I think of this as. Of course, yeah, just weird prop prop lady. It, this the whole premise is weird. She's bringing her mom into work. Do you do you bring your mom? Do you have a bring your mother to work day? I do not. <laughs> um, yeah, that that doesn't work. Yeah, it's kind of weird because she's she's like really excited that her mom's coming in, but she kind of just comes in towards the end of the day anyways and just waits for her to leave. Yeah, I was a little lost there on the intent. I mean, I guess I could see. I mean, obviously, I live pretty far away from my parents, but I could see them like, yeah, no, I uh, I I can't really see them coming into the office. Because they actually just visited me a few months ago. Like them just coming over for the hell of it to work. I, I will say that actually my workplace is, is like that, where family members kind of come in and not a lot. I could, I mean, I could see some situations where it happens. Like if they're going to come in for lunch or something. Is that sort of what happens? No, not really. Like they'll, it's mostly with babies and stuff. And like they'll just kind of bring over their kids. And uh, yeah, I don't know why. They just kind of bring babies and they show off their baby to everyone, or they'll just go into their office and talk and hang out for a bit. Um, I don't, I don't really understand it. I guess I just want to visit, but yeah, I can't understand it because like I don't see a situation where I'm like, yeah, mom, come to the office, just come hang out for a bit and we'll talk. 
Does Nua ever visit you at the office? She's came over once to bring me lunch, but we prefer, yeah, and like we'll have lunch in my office, but I prefer like to go out, honestly. Like we'll go meet up somewhere for lunch sometimes. Well, do you work in Arcata? No, I work in Eureka. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, d- dude, I work in the ghetto. Oh, yeah, where the at? Ghetto. Uh, do you know where Winco's at in Eureka? Yes. Just a couple streets over from that. It's towards Main Street or away from Main Street? away from main street so like okay, a little yeah. like it's like south yeah, yeah, um yeah like i'm right in the middle of the projects because that's what we do it's not it's like it's really quiet around our office honestly because we have a um we have a cop station right across from us yeah i know where that cop station is yeah it's it's like just a little unit we actually own it and we rent it out to them but uh yeah it kind of sucks because i would i want to be in a position where i can either walk or bike to work so i can say it's only like a three-hour bike I've, no, not even that. It's only <laughs> well, two hours. No, it's only it's like an hour from what I looked up, but it's like one I know that the odds of me getting hit on the road are very slim. Um, but it would like I think it would drain on me psychologically. I don't know if I'm strong enough to kinda mm-hmm. look at that statistic objectively. So it'd probably fuck with me. And then it's also like that's two hours out of my day versus like forty minutes. So I lose an hour twenty each day. I don't know if it's worth the savings and, and gas money and depreciation on my vehicle. Um, well, there's also know. you get the exercise. so You do get the exercise. Uh, and I've considered that. Yeah, for sure. That's that's definitely in the pro column. But I don't know. What would you do? Would you bike it, you think? No, I wouldn't bike that. I would love to be able to bike. There's a, there's a bike path right behind my house. And it goes to, uh, well, a few things. But there was an accounting position that I wanted at uh, the Oceanographic Institution in uh, Woods Hole here. And that would have been really cool. It's a kind of a long, it's about a nine and a half mile bike, but I totally would have biked to work if I got that job. It's kind of, I, it's kind of a famous institution. I think uh, Clark Maxwell did an apprenticeship there. I could be wrong. I could be, yeah. And then, you, you know, you got to worry about changing when you get there. Yeah, that's another hassle. You know, if you're a sweater, if you're going to have like B.O., it's you know gonna be a problem too yeah i don't think i would have like bad bo but i definitely get sweaty to where i'd want to have to like wipe off and i probably wouldn't feel clean all day so we have pam's fake mom and jim like comes over to introduce himself to her then roy comes in and you know jim just like walks away yeah he slyly grabs jelly bean and just gets out of there and roy i don't know roy is just like i don't like him in the scene he is like so fake trying to impress pam's mom oh god it's yeah. like obviously not genuine at all do you think that's just like normal behavior normal meeting your fiance's mom behavior uh yeah i could see a lot of people doing that for sure it's not something i would want to do but i do notice it but i also notice that a lot of people exhibit that type of behavior i wouldn't want to i agree with you but i, I think it's like pretty common and then he leaves and pam's mom is like so which one's jim which what do you think about that uh, well, it's obvious that she's been talking to her mom about Jim and that she's into him. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't really think a whole lot about it other than oh, that. I don't like it because it signifies to me that, that Pam's like aware that she likes Jim. Oh, sure. I don't know, which I think I I would be more forgiving of Pam's character if she was just kind of like deceiving herself into thinking that she's not into Jim. But this sort of makes me think that she's aware that she likes Jim. And so instead of just being unaware of her feelings, she's like, I don't know being like willfully so this was the tipping point for you um it's i don't know about the tipping point but yeah i felt like that for a while now it's like to me it seems like it's pretty obvious to her that she likes him 
Uh, yeah, and actually, there is a. I guess this is the tipping point for me, where it's like, yeah, she definitely knows that she likes him, and she's just kind of. It makes it. It, it makes like her whole re- like relationship with Roy, like less forgivable because it's not like she. Yeah, it's like it's a total sham now because she is. She's telling somebody else about it, and then so... Pam's mom obviously. Not only is she just like mentioning Jim, but Pam's mom is obviously also aware that like Jim's yes. actually. By the way that she one. says it. And then yeah, because like, which one is Jim? yeah? And so the mom is like aware, and then the mom is just like all aboard on. Oh yeah, that's your fiance, but I want to know this guy that you have a crush on. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a big scene. Uh, earlier in the scene too, I forgot about this. The, uh, Pam was talking about how they I am and how she sends him like winky faces, like that kissy face or whatever. And like, like if you were if you were in a relationship, would you think that would be weird if she was sending those to another dude? sending kiss face emojis to another guy no i wouldn't care no you don't seem like the jealous type but like me like i know that if i were to send something like that like new would hate it oh so like that would definitely be off the line sending you those kissy face emojis then no 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 no, no. you should keep sending them (laughs) don't let new stop what we have going on (laughs) she's my roy you're my gem paul (laughs) yeah that's funny i didn't think about that i don't know that seems weird to me i don't think of you know how you say LOL, but you, you're not actually laughing out loud. You know, it's like everyone just says LOL and it just means like, it doesn't mean... Well, I always laugh oh. when I say LOL. I'm not a sham. Well, I, but I mean, in, in culture, I think it LOL yeah, doesn't yeah. mean anything anymore. It just kind of means like, ha. Huh. So I think similarly, there's like this phenomenon where we're, people like to use language and emojis that are like the emotion that they're feeling, but on a much larger magnitude. So when I see like a kissy face emoji... I don't think like the the magnitude of that emotion, even though like the kissy face is uh, really affectionate. I think of that more as just like a like a thumbs up. Like I don't think of it as being that intense. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's it's very intense. I just think it's it's something that you'd more characteristically use if you were in a flirtatious type of relationship with somebody. Because um, I, I I just yeah I don't know. Have I ever sent a kissy face? Unless you're sending it jokingly. No, I can't see you ever sending a no, kissy uh, face. Well, let me go through my history. Dude, I have at some point because it says, you know, I, it shows all the emojis I've used, which isn't very many. But at some point I have sent a kissy face. It was probably to a guy like I'm willing to bet 100 percent right now. It was definitely to a guy. I know the ones I send are to dudes and it's always like just jokingly yeah. or sometimes not. It'll just be like, I love you. And then kissy face, kissy face. <laughs> like it's my brother or something. I would do that. But I would feel weird about it sending it to a to like a female friend because I know that it would make me uncomfortable. If she saw it, maybe I'm just, maybe just being in a relationship, you kind of know that. And so you, you'd pump the brakes on it. But, and that's kind of my point because Pam is in a relationship. Well, more than, and I think she more than that she's sending him the kissy face emoji. This scene is just like, so I think this is a really well done flirting scene between Jim and Pam here. A lot of times when I'm seeing flirting scenes and shows and movies, they don't really do anything for me because it's not the way that I would flirt it's i don't it just like doesn't click for me as like oh yeah like is that supposed to be like are they enjoying this or is this like supposed to be awkward like i can't really tell exactly what the director's trying to confer to me with like this this little flirt scene and you're still in the emojis scene right yeah yeah when they're when because she does the thing like you know how i send you the the little kissy face emoji and then she imitates it she's like well i realize that's harassing so i won't do that and I think this is like, I think the scene just is just really well done. I, I get that they're flirting and like they're both doing it well and they're both enjoying it. I don't know. 
and it, and that there's like a mutual attraction. I think it's really well done. Yes, it's it's one of the most obvious flirtation scenes I think that they've given us so far because I think most of their scenes are kind of like are, they're they're flirting, but they're not. It's like really subtle, and I think they it's intended that way because Jim and Pam aren't supposed to know how they necessarily feel about each other. It's supposed to be kind of this like confusing state that they're in and and I, I imagine that's why they took it out because it's to me it's just it's really clear what's going on in that scene uh then the final scene is todd packers making a joke about any any makes a derogatory comment towards phyllis and which michael you know reacts to really negatively but he like doesn't have the kahunas to call todd packer out on it because him and todd are friends and so he like he redirects it towards kevin and uh, it's like Michael's really torn because he wants, you know, Michael obviously just wants everybody to like him. And he's really torn between getting everyone to like him. But also he part of him does want to do his job. And then he ends up doing the really weird speech with Phyllis where he has like kind of a nice moment with Phyllis. And then he ruins it, right? Because he's like complimenting her. <laughs> and then he ruins it when he's like, the only thing I am worried about. I'm getting a boner. <laughs> and, yeah. He... <laughs> it's like he was so close to saving it. And then he just, like, ruins it right at the end. And that was, like, he was still trying to kind of save his relationship with Packer, but also uh, kind of, like, making Phyllis feel a little bit better about herself. Um, yeah, but he killed it with the boner comment. What What is it about Michael that he wants to save certain relationships? Or, like, he's much... He's, like, afraid to stand up to, like, say, Packer or Daryl, kind of like, you know, in the basketball scene towards the end where they kind of gang up on him. Is it because he really wants those people to like him or is it because they're bigger than him? Just like physically bullying him because he's not he's not necessarily like that with other people in the staff that he wants them like he he wants Jim to like him, but I feel like he's he sticks up a little bit more to Jim than he would to Todd Packer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think I think it's just he he has a need to be liked and I don't know, he was probably I'm not a psychologist, but he was probably bullied as a kid and as like a really he's really needy. And what I mean when I say needy is that he cares more about other people's opinions of him than he cares about his opinion of himself. And so he's just like trying to win everybody's affection. Um, I think that's what it is. I don't think there's like a... I, well, the basketball scene was different. I think that was like a physical intimidation thing. I don't think... Yeah, that one was more yeah, obvious. I don't think that's what's happening with like Todd Packer though. I was getting at it because Packer kind of seems like a bully to me. Yeah, he definitely does. But I don't... I didn't get that Michael was like physically intimidated by him. It was, I think just like emotional leave intimidated by him. Like you're like, no, 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 I'm cool. No, I'm cool. You, you can trust me. Dude. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he looks up to Packer in this weird way for some reason, because Packer's really confident yeah. and Michael doesn't have oh, the okay. social skills to like evaluate that. He's actually, if he's actually like a leader, but he's really confident like a leader would be. And so Michael like really admires. So he can't him. see to the douchebag. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, he, he can't read the douchebag on the confidence. He just sees the confidence. 